Many of you have asked for it, and so I spent some of my paternity leave creating it, an introductory Stoicism course. The best part? I've launched it using Gumroad's pay-what-you-want model. So if you want to pay $0, you can get the course for free. That's right, free. Learn more and enroll in the course by going to understandingstoicism.com. That's understandingstoicism.com. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism for Coptown. I hope you're doing well and that you're looking forward to this week's meditation from Marcus. It is the 10th from Book 5, and it reads as follows. Realities are so veiled, one might say, from our eyes that not a few, and those not insignificant thinkers, thought them to be incomprehensible, while even the Stoics think them difficult of comprehension and all our assent to perceptions is liable to alter. For where is the infallible man to be met? Pass on, then, to objects of experience. How short their duration, how cheap, and able to be in the possession of the bestial, the harlot, and the brigand. Next pass to the characters of those who you live with, even the best of whom is hard to suffer. Not to say that it is hard for a man even to endure himself, In such a fog and filth, in so great a torrent of being and time and movement and moving things, what can be respected or be altogether the object of earnest pursuit I do not see. On the contrary, one must console oneself by awaiting nature's release, and not chafing at the circumstances of delay, but finding repose only in two things. First, that nothing will befall me which is not in accordance with the nature of the whole, and secondly, that it is in my power to do nothing contrary to my God and inward spirit, for there is no one who shall force me to sin against this. So I'm going to start by, let's not say correcting, but providing a little bit of insight into Farquharson's last line, because Farquharson is the translator who's translating the book that we're working through for this particular book, the translation. I want to provide a version of this same text in a 
less, let's say, Catholic in tone kind of way. So this is George Crystal in 1902. First, that nothing can befall us which is not in accord with the nature of all things. Second, that it is always in our power not to do anything against the divine spirit within us. To this, no force can compel us. So Farquharson was a British classicist. He's a philosopher, and obviously he was a translator. And while I can't determine he was Catholic with certainty, I think it's a fairly reasonable assumption given the generation to which he belonged, which was a generation that predated the naming of generations. He was born in 1871 in Hampshire in England, uh, and also taking his background into consideration in his family. It's very likely that he would have been a religious man, and probably Catholic. So just keep in mind when we hear phrases from Farquharson like, to do nothing contrary to my God, and no one who shall force me to sin against this, there is a lot of license being taken as the original texts are more in alignment with what Crystal in 1902 said than they are with what Farquharson said in 1944. Crystal, of course, being the son of his famous mathematician father by the same name, and for many other reasons, it seems far less likely that Crystal would extrapolate from Marcus's Stoic writings an Abrahamic flavor, which is what's happening in Farquharson's translation. I know it might be a little bit annoying that I'm taking the time to point this out because it's not really the meditation in particular, but I don't want anyone listening to think that Abraham's God is the God that Marcus is talking about because it most very certainly isn't, and Farquharson makes that unclear sometimes. And now you're thinking, okay, Tanner, we get it. What's the point of this meditation? That virtue and nature, referred to here as reality, are not incredibly obvious to most people. Even the Stoics, who revere nature very much, even they had to arrive at conclusions about virtue and nature that required years of debate, argumentation, and logical reasoning. What the Stoic is taught to know is not obvious. It is veiled, and we must lift the veil to see it ourselves. If we don't lift the veil, because veils are usually transparent to a degree, we might see bits of truth, but the way the veil obscures details will make it all too easy for us to assent to poor impressions and make it less and less likely that we'll ever have what it takes to lift the veil and see what truth is really all about. So it seems like Marcus was in a bit of a metaphorical mood for this particular meditation. But then it turns dark. Typical brooding Marcus. It's time to discuss the sweet release of death. From the meditation, on the contrary, one must console oneself by awaiting nature's relief and not chafing at the circumstances of delay, but finding repose in only two things. One, that nothing will befall me which is not in accordance with the nature of the whole, the other, that it is in my power to do nothing contrary to my God and inward spirit, for there is no one who shall force me to sin against this. This section follows a line about how there's no object or person worthy of pursuit, no person or thing, given how easily owned objects are and how insufferable people tend to be. So no person or object can bring you this sort of orgasmic state of perfect knowledge, right? Of this total knowledge, the knowledge of how to live well, of virtue. 
No person or object can make you one with the universe, so you'll have to look forward to death and deal with all the suffering that comes out of feeling unfulfilled between now and then. Again, Farquharson is coloring this a bit because, returning to Crystal's earlier translation, quote, Amid such darkness and filth, in this perpetual flux of substance, of time, of motion, and of things moved, I can perceive nothing worthy of esteem or of desire. On the contrary, we should comfort ourselves as we wait our natural dissolution, and not be vexed at the delay, but find rest in these thoughts. So Farquharson is saying something like, death is the only real way forward, while Crystal is saying, life is a mess, but we can and should console ourselves between now and our deaths by focusing on the following things. And you should be able to see how these messages are very different. One treats escape from our fleshy prisons, as they were, as a sort of salvation, so you're escaping to a better life once you're dead, while the other treats life itself as the salvation. This is why modern religion isn't compatible with Stoicism when you really get into the deep weeds of it. And this is the problem with translations sometimes. Every translation is colored slightly differently by every translator. Of course, I'm an interpreter, not a translator, so I may be making it even worse, but hopefully that's not the case. Fingers crossed. In any event, we should be doing two things during our living life to either, if you share Farquharson's view, bide our time until sweet, sweet death and salvation from our fleshy prisons, or if you share Crystal's view, make the most of life in a way that benefits the whole, because right now is the point of living, not 50 years from now and not eternity. What are those two things? First, remember that nothing unnatural can happen because we live in a natural as opposed to a supernatural world. If everything that happens is natural, then there exists in nature a way of dealing with everything. This means we are never without a way to endure, cope, or overcome. And secondly, that nothing can force us to give up on ourselves or our pursuit of a virtuous character that we are truly in control of whether or not we degrade ourselves or make vicious decisions. We're not weak and helpless, we are strong and capable. And I think those are pretty helpful things to keep in mind no matter who you are or what you believe, stoic or otherwise. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.